Today on Cinema Oblivia, we're talking about the best movie ever made that stars John Stamos and Gene Simmons. Welcome to Cinema Oblivion, your podcast for discussions on films that are weird, out of date, out of fashion, hard to find, or whatever. Once again, I'm your host, James Eldred, and once again, joining me again is... It, it's Matt. He's back. Can't get rid of me. I've tried. No, I've moved to another country. Yeah, you moved it's... away to a completely different country to get away from me. But yeah, that you, that you used to live here. It's, it's true. Yes, Japan hasn't had both of us at the same time yet. Yeah, that's soon, I hope. Uh. Yeah, let's not talk about the depressing present. Let's talk about the wonderful past. Matt, you have been on for several episodes of wildly different themes. (laughs) Um, Yep. (laughs) An understatement. And you chose the wonderful, fantastic film for today. What did you want to discuss with me? Uh, Never Too Young to Die. Yes. The 1986 film with a once-in-a-lifetime cast that we'll get to. I, before we even get too far ahead, I want to tell people what this movie's about. And to do that first, I'm going to read the back of the VHS box. You ready? I, I, I love this co- kind of copy, so yes. go for it. So the, first of all, the, the front of the box says, Vanity, the new breed of temptress. Stamos. The new breed of hero. And then the back of the box has a quote. Dot, dot, dot. Explosions. Ex- dot, dot, dot. Explosions. One against 100 bazooka battles, comma, and chases. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I don't remember bazooka battles. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. They're also, that's my that's negative review. But anyway, the, the back of the box blurb. Action. Bond style. Beauty. Vanity style. Hero. American style. Never Too Young to Die stars teenage idol John Stamos and the sensually exotic Vanity as two of the most dynamic secret agents seen in years. Gene Simmons plays the supervillain who plans to take over the country and finds his plot blocked by Stamos and Vanity. The two suddenly find themselves in the targets of the Vicious Simmons and must take on the maniacal hermaphrodite. The resulting battle of the, quote, sexes blows the lid off the evil plan, and Stamos joins the ranks of the American hero. Powerful heavy metal music, state-of-the-art weaponry, and the explosive chemistry between two of the sexiest stars on screen blend to make this exciting action flick an automatic winner. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean, the copywriter was doing their... Hey, yeah, I've done that. I've done that job. That job's hard. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean. Yeah. 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 So they they, we'll, they did it. We'll talk about more what it's about in a minute. But uh, Matt, how did you? Now I kind of know how you came to find this movie, but tell everybody else. <laughs> so I I watched it with you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At this point, what like 
two probably twenty years ago. Yeah, probably twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. I would imagine you came back to the U.S. for a trip just to, to visit. It was the last trip before COVID. And as we do, we just hung out one night and ended up watching a movie, and this was it. And yes. it was magical. And I ended up sharing it with other movie watching friends because yes. of that. Yes, it is a a unique experience. And and I discovered this film. Um, just one day when I was bored at work, I went to Shout Factory's website to see what they were releasing, and they were releasing this. <laughs> and I saw that there was a film starring John Stamos and Vanity and Gene Simmons as an evil hermaphrodite, and I bought it. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. Correct and choice. I was shocked that I had never heard of this movie. Never. And before I exposed you to it, have you ever heard of it? No. And to be completely honest, it is kind of shocking because it it really seems like the kind of thing that should be a like cult classic sort of. It's got that vibe. Yeah, and I think it it's it's been growing as a cult classic. I think one of the reasons why it never became a cult classic is that because it we'll get to that, it barely came out and then it had one VHS release and did not get another home video release until 2017. Which yep. probably yeah. you know if you can't see a movie, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even still, you end up you know you find bootlegs around. That's you know yeah, that... yeah. I never as a connoisseur of slock and going to old websites like the unknown movies webpage and you know badmovies.org and all that stuff. You never see this mentioned, and mind blowing to me because this is one, in my opinion, <laughs> this is one of the greatest bad movies ever made. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's it it definitely has all the right elements, and it has just the right amount of like actually good stuff sprinkled in with the so bad it's good and what the fuck moments that it's like a perfect storm. Like it's yeah. it's it's what right. you dream of, <laughs> right? It's it's the because the um the the greatest sin right of a movie is to be boring. Oh yeah, and like this is a bad movie, but it's not boring. Yeah, last night I watched a movie called uh, Checkered Flag or Crash, which is an off-road Baja movie starring Joe Don Baker, Susan Sarandon, and Larry Hagman from Dallas. And (laughs) I'm like, well, Mm. that sounds great. It was Mm. so boring. It was so boring. (laughs) It was just the the really bad acts and direction and bad dialogue and a terrible romance and Susan Sarandon makes out with Jordan Baker and nobody wants that except Jordan oh. Baker. And oh boy. Yeah, it was a terrible film. And then we watched this again and I wasn't even drunk this time. <laughs> and I was I was continually entertained. But the back of the box gives a pretty good description. But but Matt, how would you what's your back of the box description for this film? What what would what would you say about what would you think that's good enough or like uh would you oh, add man. anything to that? I mean, the back of the box is going pretty deep, even going into things that don't really happen. Um, (laughs) It's it's like I'm always a fan of like mixing like, oh, it's this meets this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of got so I think what I would want to mix them with. It's like it's the James Bond thing is right. It's like Mm -hmm. James Bond met Streets of Fire, maybe. Yeah. To, right down to some of the locations, even. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> but I would say it's James Bond meets Mad Max meets. Yeah. Um, a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. It, 
it's really weird too because it's like yeah it definitely has this mad max vibe but like not at all at the same time yeah it's mad max by aesthetics but yeah it's it's all over the place it's it's something else and i think it's a wonderful magical film and the more i can do to get people to watch it the better so well i would we're gonna do a full spoiler of this movie as we go i imagine so if people want to watch this it's on everything It's on. It's it's illegally on YouTube. This FYI, <laughs> as of <laughs> as of this recording, surprise, um, surprise. I, be- I believe you could rent it on Amazon Prime. Um, is it still on? And you said it's still on Hoopla. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll I'll say yeah. The the if you have like a library card, at least a lot of places I've seen like if you have a library card, you can watch it on Hoopla. Yes. Uh, full disclosure. Um, I own part of Hoopla. Uh- <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. I, yeah. So I, I feel like it's important for me to say that. Say that. But yeah, it's on Amazon Prime for two ninety nine, if you want to rent it, or you can just buy the Blu Ray for twenty two ninety nine, which you should just do. Or, like, or maybe find out if one of your libraries has a physical copy. Yeah, yeah, and if they did, um, also nope. thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's probably probably me, probably with the company I am part of also. Oh, I, I, yep. I was I was trying to get away from that, but I realized I just veered right back into that. No, 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 no. You can't if 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 you are using a library to to um watch Never Return to Die. Thank you. But anyway, um, I your library talk, thanks you too. Your library thanks you, and and many people who work in Ohio thank you. I want to talk about who made this film before we talk about who's in this film because I feel like a lot of this film's flavor. That's not from Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Comes from the unique individuals who made this. Now I know you didn't do a lot of research, but I did a deep dive. Oh yeah, deep, that's why I didn't because I knew you were deep dive into the people involved with this. Starting with the director, a man named Gil Bettman or Bettman. I don't know how you say his name. Gil Bettman, who hasn't directed much in theatrical releases. He directed this. Something called Crystal Heart, which has Tony Katane <laughs> in it. And that's about here's the IMDB plot for Crystal Heart. A 22 year old man who has lived inside a crystal room because of a rare illness meets an up and coming rock star, and the two fall in love. Sure. Yeah. And then he also <laughs> directed a movie called Night Vision. Which I believe also stars Tony Katane. No, 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 no. That's no. That stars Cynthia Rothrock. I'm sorry. Um, oh, it's got Cynthia Rothrock. Cynthia Rothrock, Robert Forrester, and Fred Williamson. P- Pittsburgh's own uh, Cynthia Rothrock. Yes, Pittsburgh's own Cynthia Rothrock. Yes, and that's about a serial murderer who makes snuff films. So that seems that seems kind of standard. Yeah, but. He he. That's not his main gig. Gill mostly worked in TV. He started as a producer. He produced McLeod, uh, the Hardy Boys, BJ and the Bear, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Fall Guy, Auto Man, which is a terrible TV. So you have to seek, seek out. And I think his big claim to fame is probably Knight Rider. He produced and directed several episodes of Knight Rider, and also. Around the same time, he was doing doing music video direction, and he directed the video for Sammy Hagar's "I Can't Drive 55," which is a song, and he directed the video for uh, that I made you watch. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> uh, Chicago's "Stay the Night," 
Now, Oof. okay, yeah. What's your opinion on Stay the Night, Matt? It's creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's creepy. It's a bad song. Um, and it's a pretty creepy video, too, to be completely honest. It's a creepy video and a bad song. It's one of the worst. It's, it's a terrible song, but it's probably the Chicago's the best single of the 80s. So it's, it's, a, it's a solid 4 out of 10. <laughs> it, it, also, it also got a, a pretty heavy Never Too Young to Die vibe to the whole yes. thing. And some amazing stunts. Yes. Like, they were obviously not. It's like a running theme, I feel like, in his movies are the stunts, really good stunts, obviously not done by the people they're supposed well, to be done by. You know, hey, 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 I don't want to, you know, I don't think Peter Cetera can, you know, maybe someone should kick Peter Cetera <laughs> off a car, but nobody has yet. Um, but I love that video. I hate that song. Like, it's a bad song. But yeah, I'm yeah. All- the vi- the video a is good, just a action sequence, the whole thing. It's a very good video. I, I recommend watching it. And I'd have to imagine that got him this job. Because you have to keep this is the mid eighties and MTV's the hotness, right? So you have Tony Scott <laughs> went from music videos to Top Gun. And I'm sorry, you know, his brother didn't didn't hurt him. And <laughs> there's also I forgot his name, but the, the director of uh, Highlander. Uh, oh. was a, a music video director. So you yeah, have it's funny. I don't remember the last time I saw Highlander, although I just watched Highlander 2 recently. <laughs> You're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, okay. Well, as long as long as, you, as long as you know. But yeah. So, you know, he did a lot of stuff, but th- he never really broke through past like I think this is kind of his peak. <laughs> um, he did some documentaries with Sammy Hagar. Um you know, and he be- went on to become a, a college professor, for, and he's done that for nearly 30 years. So he went to Harvard also, and he was a, he won a, a, a Harvard Prize for poetry. So not a really? dumbass. Poet- poetry? Poetry. He won the Class Poet Harvard Prize. Well, no, the Class Poet Harvard Prize for Literary Excellence. And apparently he was also a very good rug- rugby player. I mean, I can understand. I can see the rugby just for, like, I'm trying to like imagine somebody with their body of work. Poetry is not what I would have thought, but hey. rugby I would because right. I found some behind the what? Were you gonna say something? Oh no, I was just saying yeah, the rugby kind of makes sense, but the poetry no. But I found some behind the scenes footage and of him directing Gene Simmons, <laughs> and um, he there's not a single frame I found where Gil Bettman is wearing a T-shirt. Okay, yeah, he's just I mean, directing, it, he's directing he's in, the, in short yeah. eighty sorts, no shirt and a hat. Probably in LA. I mean, this all kind of fits. Yeah, yeah, it all it all kind of fits. But it, it, everything I've read about him, he seems like a really nice guy. Like I've read a few interviews about him. Everyone likes him, and so and he kind of has a sense of humor about his life. But and he does, he did say that his best work was that Chicago video. That's what he says. That's what he says. He says that. I was mean, his yeah, best it's work. it's definitely yeah. I mean, he's got to put Never Too Young to Die up there. I would think. I. I would imagine this is the kind of film that it takes a long you got you got to get a long distance away from it to uh come back around Fair. and think it's good. Yeah. If, Fair. if you would. I, I feel like the the cast would probably be Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. But the movie it really Gill was just a hired hand. This movie is really the the mind of a dude named Stephen Paul. It has two writers, but the other guy hardly did anything else. Stephen Paul, he produced it, he did the screenplay and the story. Stephen Paul is John Voight's agent. <laughs> <laughs> and John Voight's not in it. No, although he did give John Voight a songwriting credit 
for Stargrove. Which one? I think Stargrove. For for Stargrove? But I don't think he did anything on it. I think that's just... I don't know what's going on now. Um, This guy was also an agent for Gene Wilder and the directors Michael Tamino and Bob Clark. Bob Clark did Black Christmas and Christmas Story, and Michael Tamino did Deer Hunter. Damn. All right. I would say all Flawless people have one thing in common, and that they all kind of made a lot of mistakes in the 80s. I mean... The 80s were a mistake, mostly, so that kind of makes well, sense. Well, but, but, and they had him as an agent. So I'm not going to say he helped ruin Michael Tamino's career because Michael Tamino did a good job doing that on his own, but he didn't help. <laughs> Fair. Yes. And he directed a few movies. He, he, he was like a wonder kid. He directed, a, he directed and wrote and produced a movie when he was 21 years old called uh, Falling in Love Again with Elliot Gould and Marcel Pfeiffer. And that got decent reviews. And then he made a movie called Slapstick of Another Kind, which is a sci-fi comedy with Jerry Lewis based on a Kurt Vonnegut novel. Oh, boy. And the, the quote on Wikipedia, the quote, I, I looked for other quotes, but I couldn't top this one. Gene Siskel. Encyclopedias ought to have an entry called Bad Movie, and the illustration ought to be a still photo of this film. <laughs> I wouldn't say, like, the, the description did not elicit... Yeah, it, it, looks it makes me want to see it, to be completely honest, but not yeah, for the reasons that the filmmaker the would only, actually want. The only other film we directed was some movie called Eternity in 1990 with John Voight and Amanda Sante and Wilford Brimley. And that's some reincarnation drama. But uh, Stephen Paul, he really found his, 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 uh, his way with pro- being a producer. He mm-hmm. produced the Baby Geniuses films. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, those are terrible, but you know what made money? <laughs> the, the Baby Genius's films made money. <laughs> yes, they did. He's also, his production credits are insane. He's produced 100 films. Um, a lot of straight-to-video garbage. He produced something called Karate Dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, there's no nothing in the rule book that says I can't, so... That should be. He produced something else called The Double O Kid, which must means that he was again down on, on this uh, young James Bond idea. But yeah, I think Baby Jesus is his big thing. Allegedly, he's a producer on The Expendables 4. But so still going. Uh, God, that's terrifying. And he also produced that terrible Ghost in the Shell movie. And Oh, the live action one? The yeah, US and he one? was trying to produce a live action uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, but that never got off the ground. And he's produced all of the Tekken films. Oh, so were... that's right. There's Tekken films. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's you know in the pantheon of fighting game movies, Tekken's probably at the bottom, even below Dead or Alive. Yeah, well, Tekken te- Tekken star- stars Kane Koshugi, whose father will be on this podcast very soon. Spoiler. <laughs> yes. So. Interesting guy. He also did voice work. He's a voice actor in Urusei Yatsura. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, yeah, variety. He must have some Japanese, he must have a Japanese industry connection. I mean, you're the in, one to go ask around. I, well, not, yeah, I'll just... <laughs> what what's who who made I could probably just walk to tech to the studio that makes tech and just ask them. I right. don't know. I mean, like to be completely honest, it's not that big of a country. You, you, know, <laughs> you could you could does not you know once the you pandemic can, can figure slows it out. down, I'll figure I'll figure out who made um who made Tekken and go ask them. Oh, he also yeah. produced the Ghost Fighter movies. Oh. Yeah. 
Man, okay. All right. Yeah. So, hey, he's, hey, we can, and he's still John Voight's producers, John Voight's agent. So we can, we can slag on this dude, but he's, get, he's getting by. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just surprised John Voight's still acting. Well, he's a, well, John, that, that, that one, you know, his guy is also John Voight's friend, and John Voight, real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. So, he's got to be, what, 100 years old? Yeah, John Voight's 83, man. Retire. Just, no, he just, has to let people know that Obama, Obama and Biden are still going to destroy the world. Okay, well, you know, old man, keep yelling at clouds. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's really all behind the scenes. Like, like the the other guy who wrote the movie, like I said, he wrote he made, he's a guy named Anton Fritz. Apparently, he tried to make a movie with the Flying Burrito Brothers. It never got off the ground. Don't ask. It's a long story. And the composer is Lenny Niehaus. Lenny Niehaus composed like every Clint Eastwood film. Um, because they were like BFFs. Uh, they both like jazz. Not no jazz in this film. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. No. 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 It's not. It's not no that's, jazz. That's no jazz. There's no. No. There's no. Dun, 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 dun. No. No jazz. <laughs> Let's be real. I think the real reason that this film has its cult following growing to this day is because of the cast. Who is our hero? So we got uh, John Stamos, who plays Stargrove. Lance Stargrove. Yeah, I forgot. I'm like, I, everyone just calls him by his last name. So I'm like, it's something. It's, uh, Lance. Yes, Lance. It's a good It's a good last name. It It, <laughs> it is, but it feels like it needs to be in like... One of the, like the '80s, like sci-fi kind of thing. Like yeah, a, like he's he's to be a, he's to be a supporting character in Ice Pirates. Yeah, or like uh, what's the what was the old '80s movie where you play, play played the arcade game and it was actually a training thing for aliens? Last Starfighter. Yeah, Last Starfighter feels like something from the Last Starfighter. Well, you can't have your last name be Star Grove and be a Starfighter. I mean, the '80s you could. <laughs> <laughs> it was like hit people over the head. Obvious, you know. Oh yeah, I guess. I think you can go back around and do that again now and have this because people like sincerity, you know, and like I am he's dead man. So just like go, go all in. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, did they want to go with like get a Star Wars kind of vibe off of it or something? I don't know. It yeah, cool. it's a weird name. And Stamos, like, I would say he's probably the worst actor in a movie. He, mm, yes. Yeah. Of the leads for sure. Yeah, he doesn't have much to do. He's just kind of there to look pretty. And he was already kind of a big deal in the early 80s because of General Hospital. Because I don't think the kids don't know. The kids today don't know how big General Hospital was. It was huge. It's one of those <laughs> things where I'm like, is it, is it still on? It is still on. Yeah, it is one of the only okay. ones left. And I was to say, like, that seems like the kind of one that would, would still be around. And he came back on it for a while playing himself. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which, I respect that. That's good shit. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty good, yeah. And and he was on uh, ER also. I mean, who wasn't? Back. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's what I was, God, that show's on for fucking ever. Even I quit watching ER, and I loved it. But anyway, um, used to give me shit for that. Yeah, 
when we were in high, when we were in college. I like I, you'd want to go get something to eat, and I'm like, give me like ten minutes ERs on, and you're like, what? Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it was it was okay. It was a good show for I would say seven seven of those how many years it was on. <laughs> I don't know thirty. Yeah, too long. Too long. Um, also, of course, he was in the Beach Boys. <laughs> Wait, that when did that happen? He's still in the Beach Boys. Um, Wait, what? John Stamos joined the Beach Boys. Um, he is friends. He is a mutual friend with of my. He had a mutual friend of Mike Love. So he is occasionally a Beach Boy. Uh, he's in the video for Kokomo. Yes, and. He's only on, I think he's only on one Beach Boys album, which is Summer in Paradise, which is one of the worst albums I've made. <laughs> I, I, I know so little about the Beach Boys. There's a, there's a like, great, it's all news to me. There's a great Todd in the Shadows video about that album, uh, Summer in Paradise. L- look it up. But I think everybody obviously knows um, John Stamos most from Full House. <laughs> right. Yes. At least our age. Yes. Were you a Full House fan when you were a kid? No, because like I think it was on. There was a weird period of time where I didn't have access to a lot of TV because mm-hmm. of where I lived, and then when I did a lot of moving, and I think I just missed it. Like it was around, but I was just getting a little too old for it. Like I was too cool for too it. Once cool I for got full house, man. I well, you know, yeah, but I wasn't. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was I mean, on. I saw episodes of it, but like, I think I watched Full House only when it overlapped with Perfect Strangers. At once, Perfect Strangers was done. I was done because even I thought, even as a kid, I thought it was stupid. Kind of like step by step, like even as right. a twelve-year-old, I was like, I can do better than this. Yeah, so, like I'm just looking to see when Full House was on. Eighty-seven like, to eighty-seven to ninety-five. So right, so it would have been like middle school, high school for yeah, us. So and like, yeah, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have lined up well with my life. Eighty-seven, we were only eight, so I think we were the key demographic then. Right, but when I was eight, I didn't have access to it. Okay. I issue. definitely watched it when I was a little, little, little kid. But then I think by the time I was like 11 or 12, I bounced off of it. It's a bad show. Like, you know, rest in peace, Bob Saget. But Full House was a bad TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember what, the episodes I did see when I finally did see it. was It was like, like I said, I felt like it was aimed an age below me by the time yeah, I got to yeah. see it. So I was just, it, I bounced is, off of it. It is a kid's kids TV. So, uh, also I'd like to point out that right now, John Stamos is way into NFTs. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a Geiger counter. <laughs> just, just point like, Oh, Oh, NFT, the radar's going off. Just step away. Yeah. I don't know anything about like, I have never heard anything super terrible about John Stamos, but, the fact that he's friends with Mike Love from the Beats Boys is a red flag because Mike Love is a terrible human being. The joke about Mike Love, Mike Love is in the Beach Boys, and I think he's uh, Brian Wilson's cousin or something. The joke about Mike Love is that he's the worst person involved from the Beach Boys, including Charles Manson. Because <laughs> Charles <laughs> Manson wrote a, wrote a Beats Boys song. So, um, yeah, he's a bad guy. And he's weighing the NFTs. So those are two red flags. So... I don't Why does know. he and need to be into NFTs? I guess I don't know. Is he not? Is he, did he lose all his money or something? I don't know. I mean, if you look that good, you shouldn't. <laughs> right? He's, he doesn't need that grift. Like, yeah. I, I uh, one more thing I want to point out about John Stamos. He is ridiculously handsome. <laughs> yeah. And still, I'll agree with that. And I'm still straight as hell. But yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm not. And holy shit. Um, yeah. Even still, like, 
I think he looks better now. Um, yeah. But that you know, I skew that way. I guess I don't know. But um, well, is, he, he like he filled out. He like he has that like uh, like what's his? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy from uh, Ocean's Eleven. Like he as he got older, he's like Clooney. Yeah. yeah, Clooney. Right. He's got that kind of like. Oh, well, he will place right. Clooney on ER. So there you go. <laughs> well, th- perfect. <laughs> goes full circle so, yes. whoever the casting agent was there like whoever got that give that person a raise yes yes good job good job speaking of good casting we have vanity <laughs> as dan jadeering now i've talked about vanity and and lengths on this podcast twice uh, vanity has been featured on this podcast more than anybody else except the next except the next person i'm going to mention um <laughs> this is uh, like the most the the most this podcast sort of movie it really, <laughs> I, if it was a better movie, you, I would agree. Because um, for the most part on this podcast, I try to focus on films that I, I honestly think are good. Oh well, I'm sorry. You know, well, hey, well, <laughs> you know, but, but this is a fun movie. Like, so, like, we'll get into that later because I honestly believe parts of this film are honestly good. But Vanity, like, I think, I think personally that Vanity was a very underrated actress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's good in this. Yeah, and it's an action role, and you know that's hard for her. I would imagine she's doing um, she's doing her damnedest for sure. Yeah, she's, she's really got. trying. Um, apparently, she was kind of a mess at this time, and John Stamos won't won't, won't talk about her that much, which is nice nice of him. Yeah, fair. Yeah, she had some drug issues, which we've talked about. But <laughs> some is maybe yeah, that's, it. that's what killed. Her. That's what killed her. That's what killed her. But every movie I've seen her in, she's fantastic. She is wonderful in The Last Dragon, and um, she's hilarious in Action Jackson. So uh, a lot of reviews I read kind of knocked her down. And I, honestly, I think that's just being sexist. Because in a lot of the movies, he's, she's carrying Stamos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, the whole, yeah, the, that cast props Stamos up for sure. Yes. Of course, the biggest prop up for Stamos is the person playing Velvet Von Ragnar, which, by the way, great name. <laughs> such a good name. <laughs> yes. I'm Ragnar! And Ragnar is Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to talk about him again. Yes, because Gene Simmons was in Runaway, which I talked about with Diamond Fight in another episode, and with you in, we, we talked about Trick or Treat. True, yeah. Which, he has a very small part in that. Right. Um, he but made he does this, a really good job in that, too. Yeah, this, Trick or Treat, and the third film he was in, which is terrible, called Want Dead or Alive, all came out the same year. Dear Lord. Uh, I think he was really making a push, because I think, I, I said this in another episode, I think he wanted to get away from being a rock star. I wonder if he was more just like, he was going for that, like, spread out your, get your finger into every entertainment world, because he was, like, dipping or into everything, really. Or a tongue. Yeah, sure. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Like, you know, like even comics and I mean, it seems small, but like he was trying to get his finger into everything. Well, I think later he did, he realized, well, even before this also, it's like get kissed into everything. But I think I read an interview with him during Runaway and he's like, he doesn't want to be, he said he didn't want to be a rock star when he was 50 years old. And I got bad news for you, Gene. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> it didn't work out that way. So because at the time, like nowadays, people, you know, like you get people like Madonna or, you know, other rock stars who just do it forever. But at the time, it was like people thought Cher was a joke at 40. You know, so maybe he wanted to get away from it. I don't know. I don't know why he quit acting. Yeah, he's, he's 
good. <laughs> he's not like, good. He he is great in this movie. Yeah, like he he deserves like I'm I'm curious. There must be, I wonder if like I wonder if this like is he blacklisted for some reason or something happened because like there's no I mean, reason I've heard why he's a he pig, be, but I just that's honestly half of Hollywood. Yeah, but I I also I would just imagine that Kiss is a full-time job. Yeah, but does he need it anymore? That's what I'm curious. Like you figure at some point you just kind of do whatever you would think. Also, now he's getting pretty old. Like he is, you know, he was born in 1949. So, you know, he, um, I don't know. Like Like, a little bit younger than my parents, but not that much younger. (laughs) This is the last film he made. Uh, he was in a, he has a small part in a film called red shirt, red surf. And then Hmm. he doesn't, he's not in a film again until 2001, something called wish you were dead. (laughs) And, He's also in the new guy. For some reason. The <laughs> new guy. Familiar? And these are all small roles, you know? So, like, he quit really acting. Um, he's in a lot of stuff as himself, you know? Uh, also, all the Kiss videos have IMDb credits, so you can see that he, you know, it was just <laughs> some, some Kiss songs of this era. Let's put the X in sex. Um, parent- you make parentheses, you make me rock hard. <laughs> like he had a style he still he does has a style uh kids yeah. are still going you know um yeah. the retirement tour has been like five years now i mean even kiss is very theatrical so kind of well, like obvi- yeah i mean he gene simmons aka the demon is very good at eating up scenery and very good at vamping and that's what this role is oh yeah <laughs> yes yeah this is yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's playing a hermaphrodite terrorist, and also we're going to be well, dealing. That's a bad. Have, that's not a, a correct phrase. Now I understand that. Like, you'd have intersex person. Yes, I know, but this is 1986, and they identify him, and he identifies himself as a hermaphrodite, which is yeah, problematic. It's it, it, not just a terrorist, but a terrorist like entertainer. Yes, a, a rock drag, star, a drag. Star terrorist, which you know, hey, life goals. Um, not, not, but like the most fascinating one, who, what, like a drag star. I don't even know if a drag star is the right term, but it's like own their own club. Where honestly, I want to hang out at that club. Yeah, that club looked great. That club looks so much. There's a reason movies use that that venue, that, I guess. That location, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's good stuff. But well, really quick, also George Lazenby's in this for like five minutes. He plays Doggo's oh. dad. Um, yeah, the, yes. <laughs> the 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 Bond no one remembers because he was only Bond for one movie. Uh, the Bond I don't remember from this movie. Like, oh yeah, yeah. No, he is he is the dad. <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service is a good movie. I'm just. That's the, they're they're really playing up the Bond stuff with, with they Lazenby really as well. are. It's really unfortunate because it's sixteen years away from that. <laughs> yeah. And have you seen any other Lazenby? I don't think so. Okay, honestly, so let me um, look it up. He's in two films I recommend. Uh, he's in one called Death Dimension, which is also known as Freeze Bomb, and it's a great title that has Jim Kelly from The Last Dragon. From uh, from uh, Enter the Dragon, that's not from a good. The bills. What? 
Not from the Buffalo Bills. Diff- different Jim <laughs> Kelly. No. Was like, I, wasn't he a quarterback? I recommend that. I recommend that. And he's in a film that I'm surprised I have not shown you. Next time, in, next time we're in the same country. The Man from Hong Kong. He plays the bad guy in that. That is an Australian ex- exploitation film from the director of Stunt Rock. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that movie's great, and he plays a bastard. And he's really good in it. And he's copying this link, putting it to my film group friends. Okay. <laughs> and he gets he, he he gets lit on fire in that film and it looks like and he does the stunt. That's a gooder. He was also in General Hospital. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's like the the classic like is this how many episodes of CSI has this random actor been in? Like that's a game that's a game you can play but with General back Hospital. In the 80s. General Hospital, you see a credit on General Hospital, it's either that person's on the rise, it's at the beginning of the rise, or at the end of the fall. <laughs> <laughs> but he, and he was in seven Emmanuel TV movies that came out in one year, which is Wait, terrible. one year? In one year. <laughs> <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine they filmed it like a TV show. Oh, and, yeah, I was to say, I was to say, they filmed them all at once, I guess. Yeah, I would abandon, yeah, on five sets with, with two bras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he doesn't do much here. He's good in what he's doing. You know, it's it's a glorified cameo. It's a cameo with like, but it's like the impetus for the whole story. But like, yeah. it's, you easily forget it. I mean, he's credited as a special guest star. Right. In the opening credits. Um, I'm assuming they filmed all of his stuff separately. Like, oh, they had to prob- have. Like, because like, he's never on camera with John Stamos. Like, there's a, there's a picture of them together. But they're right. never on camera together. Um also bailing in the film, but worth mentioning is Robert England. Yes. <laughs> as, yeah, that's that's great. Yes. <laughs> as a computer Weird. assistant for Ragnar. This is around the time of Nightmare 2, but you know, that Freddy wasn't really Freddy yet. Um it was not a full time job yet. So I mean it was a it was a Freddy sandwich. Like this was literally right in between all like one, two, three, and four, like right in the middle, I think. Yeah. And he's around the same time doing V, the TV show V. So you know, he was getting around. He w- he wasn't just Freddy at this point, and he doesn't do much in here. But it's always fu- it's always fun to see him. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, yes. And then there's Peter Kwong playing um, Lance Stargirl's hetero life mate. Um, hetero in quotes. The the the, the classic eighties. The classic eighties eighties. Like he's Q. He's playing Q. Right. He's Q. Like that's what his, that's what he's doing. He's he's Lance Stargirl's Q. Um, yep. Cliff. Cliff. And Peter Kwong, he's in Big Trouble Little China and Golden Child and Gleaming the Cube. So, you know, the three big 80s films of Asians, he's in those. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yep. think, I think playing a different race on all three of them. And he does a lot of good stuff. Like, he's, a, he's, he's apparently a nice guy, too. But, like, he was in every 80s TV show. I'm just going to make his a list. He was in Full House. Beauty <laughs> uh, and the Beast. Beauty nice. and the Beast. Scarecrow and Mrs. King. MacGyver, Amazing Stories, 227, St. Elsewhere, Miami Vice, The A-Team, <laughs> Manimal, uh, <laughs> The Greatest American Hero, and an episode of Little House that I actually saw on NHK here. <laughs> <laughs> Little House? Watching, what, Little House on the Prairie. What, yeah, I know, but it, in Japan, it's on, well. it's, on, it, it's on NHK here. Yeah, so Is Little House on the Prairie popular outside the U.S.? A, hey, nor, my boyfriend knew who Michael Landon was. Okay. So there sure. you go. Um, but, you know, he's one of those working actors, and he, he's fine in this. Like, he plays the best friend who I, I just think wants to fuck John Stamos, and hey. 
I get it. <laughs> He's definitely the the script's not doing him any favor. No, so, like and I can't really wa- make and any... neither is the wardrobe. Right, right. Like I, the the movie's not doing him as an actor any favors, so I can't really make any any like real judgment on on him playing that role because the yeah. role is just it's just a thing. The role it's a nothing role. And it's a, it's a nothing role, but it's yeah. like just filled with like like that classic '80s stereotype, like smart, like Asian guy, yeah. like friend He's with like the, like the kid from Goonies as a teenage as a as an older teen. Absolutely, it's yes. literally it's it's just that. Yes, and yeah, so you know the cast is you know I think again it's Gene Simmons and everybody else is Gene Simmons Gene Simmons is there, Vanity's next to him, and everyone else just along for the ride. Pretty much. Right. I was able to dig up a little bit of production info on this film. To all you other aspiring podcasters out there, newspapers.com is worth the money. I found a print interview with Paul oh. Bettman from the Cincinnati Inquirer, because Paul Bettman's from Cincinnati, about the making of this film. And Paul Bettman says in the interview that he knows it's campy. He says, we decide." Quote, we decided to hell with it. Let's camp it up. The action, is, the action is as good as Rambo. I mean, plenty of people get blown up, but it has this crazy wacko villain, and I think that's what really saves it. So he knew. Yeah. yeah he yeah, knew. Yeah. I mean, you have to know. Like, yeah, he didn't write the movie. You know, he, he, right. he, he's a hired hand. So I think he knew it was kind of stupid. And I imagine because he is a, as in terms of technical ability, other than, you know, maybe seeing the stuntman, he's pretty good at his job. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he knows how to make a movie, you know, like he, he's a workman director. And so I'm sure he knew what he had and worked with what he had and maybe told Gene to camp it up a bit. Apparently he was a little unhappy with Gene because Gene was too busy with Kiss. And so, well, I mean, yeah, you know, it but didn't the, show in the movie. Gene's big musical number in the movie. Uh, the, it takes a man like me to be a woman like whatever. Yeah. Uh, that was supposed to be much more choreographed, but Gene showed up late and wasn't prepared. I mean, it's a pretty good scene. Like, I it don't is know, a pretty I, good scene. It's a, it's they want to do more with it, I guess, but you apparently know. also from, from listening to the commentary track, which is by some film historian on the Blu-ray, he says that that costume was also you was also worn by Linda Carter. Okay. The costume's TV. awesome. It's a good costume. It's a good costume. Uh, but during production, they ran out of money. Production got shut down for a couple of weeks. He showed a rough cut to a friend, and that got the movie more money. The friend was Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> oh, you know, just your average friend. They met in film school, and they were friends. So, hey, man, whatever it takes to get the job done, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just wish I could have been in that screening. <laughs> she was like, uh-huh. How much? I mean, you're my friend. How much do you need? <laughs> I like Kiss. He has 20 bucks. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, 
I can't but, imagine the screening is what you're not going to, I feel like you're not going to trick Zemeckis, but I don't know who knows. No, no. But the film barely got a release. It was in 75 theaters. Um, it was distributed by Stephen Paul's company, Paul Entertainment, which all only distributed. Yeah, Paul That's Entertainment. Just a hell of a name. The worst Very creative. Name, worst name. Worst name. Like, call it SPE. <laughs> yeah. Just, what, what's your production? Um, uh, uh, wall lamp productions <laughs> just like i can't think of anything it was like uh my name but he only he only other released movies by him and gil bettman like he put he the, the tonic contained movie he released something called a the reincarnation movie of john void and something called emanon m emanon which is about a crippled child who becomes friends of a homeless man who might be jesus Okay, I I did a lot of research. I'm not watching that. But <laughs> movie came out June 16th, 1986, and 75 theaters opened the same week as Back to School and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It did not do well. From what I can tell, it made maybe about $130,000. It probably Ooh. made more than that, but not much. Uh, it's definitely one of the bottom ten worst grossing films of the year. It played in theaters off and on in, in two, 1987 and then was on the movie channel by December of the following year. It got absolutely terrible reviews. Uh, That's not surprising. I'm going to read a few for you. This is, from, this is from Sharon L. Hatfield in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Headline, on a scale of 1 to 10, film rates 0.007. We can hope that the box office performance of Never Turn to Die will make the title a self-fulfilling prophecy for the film. Damn. That's cold. William Whitaker, Abilene Reporter News. Headline, Never Too Young to Die a Quick Death. Eh, that's a little lazy. Eh, well, you know, it was the 80s. Uh, Dudley Sanders, Louisville Courier Journal. Never Turn to Die should have never been made. And I think that sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in the years since John Stamos has undisowned it he thinks it's funny he tried to buy the rights to it oh wow okay somehow like Shout Factory released this movie but it has an MGM logo on it I have no idea (laughs) yeah like what yes but it got that one VHS release in the late 80s was never released on home video again until 2017 and that's when I discovered it, and then how, by proxy, you discovered it. And I feel Correct. like that's the only reason why this movie is not more well-known, is that it didn't get it. If this movie would have got a DVD release, like right when it, the inter- right when DVD first came out and the internet was all web, web pages, it would have mm-hmm. been a cult classic immediately. Like, instantaneous. You that one guy to, like, bootleg it in, like, the mid-90s. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. like then it would have been a thing because like you know random people would have picked it up at like horror co- conventions or comic yeah, book conventions totally. and then it would have yeah. been a thing yeah because i'd never seen this at anything like and i i used to buy bootleg movies at conventions yeah like this is the perfect kind of movie for that kind of thing exactly and a special feature on the blu-ray is to watch a vhs rip of it which is pretty funny like a full screen tracking it like they just put yeah. the tape on the disc that's funny yeah <laughs> It adds um, to the, the aesthetic. The style of the time, style of the time. Star Grove. Like a little young man. Thank you. Ah! Ah, come on! Ah! 
know there are from time to time some small assignments. The new if American It was Hero. just this movie was doomed to bomb because it had no money, no budget, no no production. There was only one trailer for it that nobody found again until like last year. Like it's not on the disc. They lost the trailer. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's a great film, and I think now we should really get into what makes it so great. So now we're gonna. I've talked a lot. I'm that's gonna talk more now. Um, <laughs> and we're we're gonna again do a deep dive here. So. Again, watch if you don't want to be spoiled. You should watch this movie. We'll wait. <laughs> Come back. Look at my watch second. right now. One second. Yes. Are you back? Did you watch it? Isn't it great? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting here the whole time. Yeah, we were waiting here the whole t- whole ninety eight minutes. Anyway, Matt, how does this film even open? Because <laughs> it just it just goes. It starts with uh, Velvet von Ragnar menacing a woman ostensibly who is like a girlfriend or just like a someone who knows uh george lazenby's character essentially but we don't know that yet we don't even know that right yeah but he's menacing this woman to get to get information from her about essentially the the who you think might be the star at this point right the george lazenby type character give me stargrove so, yes. but what is so Ragnar is a bad guy. What he has a plan. <laughs> yes, the plan I believe is to poison the city's water supply in order to get money or something. It's yeah, he he is going entirely clear. He figured out how to reroute nuclear waste into Los Angeles. I think it's L.A. No. Think. It's not, I don't think it's said. It's not, but it probably is LA because uh, it's filmed in LA. The water supply. And he's going to use that to get, he says, money, jewelry, whatever. But if you already <laughs> poisoned the water supply, <laughs> right? You've Which, played your all your cards. And, I, and at this point in the film, they also show off a superpower because he kills that girl. With, with the, is it pinky or is it ring finger? The nail. nail. The nail. Yeah. I call it fingering, but I'm an adult. <laughs> I mean, yep, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, that's that's technically correct, I guess. Yes. Yeah, he he has a, a right, in the, right in the jugular. Yeah, right, 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 that'll get the job done. It did. It did. She dies. I believe they specifically are at this point asking. I think they're asking for the Ram K. Yes, and what is you're a computer guy? Does that mean anything? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Ram is a thing. Yes, Ram's a uh, thing. K is a letter. Yes, it is. It sometimes means th- things. In, like, generally, it's there to designate a thousand. In, yes. in generally in computer terms. So I kept thinking, it's like, is this some sort of like memory stick or something? Like, but before they existed, I, you know, I, I assumed it was just some. It was a name. It was like yeah, a random name a that name. they picked. And it's the name of this disc, and this disc has the codes that will let him poison the water supply. So yeah, it's also it is just a three and a half inch floppy. Yeah, it's just hey man, not it's not a five and a quarter. <laughs> but I mean, it's a Ram K, so um, something special about it. But yeah, so he figures out that this person named Stargrove is involved because the girl he kills has Stargrove's like family insignia as an earring. <laughs> oh right, yes, yes, that is a thing. Bad plan, honey. Bad plan. And so he kills her. Get me Stargrove. And then we have opening credits. 
See, like I also got from that scene that like that Ragnar has like history with Stargrove. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, they they like there's recognition of the of the logo. So like it makes it feel like this is a movie in a line of movies that yeah. you like you learn about this, but like there's not. It's like Stargrove is Bond and he's Blofeld. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. it's like it's like oh, there's history here. Yes, he's a he's a he's a he's a a uh, gender fluid Blofeld. Sure. Yeah. That's my new synthwave band name. <laughs> but then we get. <laughs> Sorry. You got me with that one. Yeah. <laughs> we get the opening credits with. So he says, get me Stargrove. And then we see Stargrove. Right. Lance Stargrove, John Stamos, doing gymnastics to his theme song, <laughs> Stargrove, <Yes. laughs> which is an amazing song. It's uh, it's a song you can't not get out of your head. It's in the well. So, the songwriter of Stargrove and a couple other songs in this film was Chip Taylor. Chip Taylor wrote Wild Thing. Oh, it's song, got that vibe to it. Yeah, and and Angel of the Morning. I love that song. Um, that's, a, that's probably the best song of the two that you mentioned. <laughs> Wild Thing's a good song. It's it, Wild Thing is a good song in context. Wild Thing is... I can't believe someone wrote Wild Thing. <laughs> Wild <laughs> Thing just... It's like Louie Louie. It just feels like it sort of always existed. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's unique, for sure. Yeah. It's unique. And the singer of Stargrove is a woman named Tommy Lee Bradley. She did backing vocals for R.E.M. and Harry Chapin. So, you know... Okay. Good for her, but great song. We're, we're going into the gymnastics bit. Oh yes, yeah. because like I'll let you go into specific aspects of it. But this scene is hilarious to me because it really cements a conversation I was having with uh, my wife when we watched it again. Okay, <laughs> we, we can't figure out. Is it? Yeah, it's like is he high school? Is it yeah. college? So it like, feels like prep school, but maybe a college. Like, but it, yeah, because when you messaged me. I was like, obviously, it's a college. But then I watched it again last night. I have no idea. <laughs> so there is multiple things that make make me feel like it's definitely a prep school. And there's like a specific line said that mm-hmm. makes me think it's freshman in college. Okay, what's the specific, lo- specific line? It, essentially, I believe, I don't know if it was Vanity, said, or, uh, essentially Daja's character. Is it Daja? Uh, Donja? Donja. Donja. Like so, rhymes of Ganja. <laughs> yes. she. She, I think, says something like, "Oh, do you need to be, something about biology 101. Yeah. Also, we can't drink yet. Right. Well, yeah, they keep calling him a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Even though, I mean, Stamos, I believe, was like 23 at this point. Yeah, he's he's still pretty for an 80s movie. That's still a teenager, like you know. But like, he could be 19 and still be a teenager. Yeah. But that's weird to call like a 19 year old in college a teenager, especially when like, they have sex later. Yeah, like th- there's all. <laughs> The age, this is why the age came up because we're like, how old is he supposed to? Wait, what? 
yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, especially since in in the scenes, okay. So I'm getting off of track a little bit. In no, the scene with ahead. the gymnastics, no. yes. It it feels like a high school. Like there's like menacing by like I'm gonna say jocks, but they're just wrestlers, and yeah. it, like it has like a very high school bullying sort of vibe to it. Like not the way people act in college because you got better things to do than like menace other classmates. Unless you're the person who lived next to me freshman year, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's like you just just go away then, right? Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's it, and yeah, it's weird. Like it, it, it's unclear how old exactly Stargrove is and where he is in his life. Yes, we know he's in school and he's getting help via his Casio calculator watch, uh, and and his ambiguously gay friend. Right, he's cheating on tests with his with 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 his like gadget making Asian roommate. He has a sequin tie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Not going to lie. A little jealous. <laughs> I would I mean, wear a, the, I'd wear a sequin that, tie. That costume, the costuming for that character uh, is the character. Yeah. He's like, he's wacky. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So when they're in a dorm at this ambiguous school, and Lance Stargrove is saying how his dad, he's sad his dad never comes to the parent. Well, day. like he's one of those, like, oh, I'm going to suck it up and not talk about my feelings though. Like he's like, no, my dad will be here this time. It's the eighties. I'm going to be sad quietly. Right. I'm going to be tough and not sad. And he thinks his dad does research for oil companies. Right. In but, like other countries, I believe. But, What's his dad actually do? <laughs> his dad, his I mean, his dad's James Bond. Like it's <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's there's like no, it's just like cuts a Lazenby doing James Bond stuff. Like yeah. literally, like yeah. <laughs> and they're investigating Ragnar. Yep, with that very suspicious person behind him. <laughs> yes, with uh oh Car- god, with the Carruthers. Carruthers, Carruthers, right. Who has the worst fake beard on in the so, world? The first, so Kavadas <laughs> is Gene Simmons and is, is Ragnar in disguise. Right. Um, the the worst time, disguise. The first time you saw it, did you realize it was Gene Simmons? I'm trying to remember. I don't think I, I did. Don't know, I don't think I realized it was Gene Simmons. I definitely noticed the bad fake beard, though. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, it's so bad that the, like, spirit gum glue that's holding on the under part is like rippling the person like or gene simmons's cheek skin like it's so obvious did, 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 did how did your wife feel about that oh about the well, about the she's this she's costuming right that's what she right does. no the cost well like that's hair and makeup well, but, 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 it's, it's, but it's close it's close like she sees fake beards right yeah no i mean those things like that's the obvious ones she'll she, what she'll get is like that's not where that lapel was folded last time the the cutaway. Like she'll she'll catch that stuff. She loved she loved a lot of like Gene Simmons's costumes. And stuff. Oh man, they're great. Yeah. So, but like when it comes to that, that, she doesn't really have strong opinions about things that are specifically hair and makeup. But we'll notice them for sure. Okay. Okay. I'll just, it's I'll annoying. Just curious. I'll just curious. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely bring up in the future things that are like she's like they were in a different shirt than they were in the pre scene because that's what her job is. That make I sure never noticed that stuff in a movie unless it's terrible. It's um, her job to to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, she's con- yeah, continuity. Yeah, it's a mother. It's a mother of a job. She's doing God's work. <laughs> so 
So Ragnar wants the Ram K. Stargrove mm-hmm. won't tell him what the Ram K is. He kills right, Stargrove. The, the, the dad, the father, Stargrove. Yes, yes, Stargrove, Stargrove Senior. Senior. Yeah, is killed, and John Stamos psychically realizes this doing a gymnastics routine. Right. Yeah. So he's like, that's I brought that up with 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 Liz as well. I'm like, is is like. Is Lance psychically tied to his father? Because like every time something happens to his father in this scene, like Lance reacts to it physically, yes. and it's like, what's going on? Like, what is this family? Like, maybe there is some kind of weird sci-fi bend to this is family. That, is that in the song Stargrove? He's an <laughs> empath. Stargrove feels things psychically. <laughs> I mean, it may as well be like put, yeah. stick it in another verse. Why not another verse. make that song longer? Someone call Tommy. Uh, and then he goes to the funeral, and then he finds out he owns a barn. <laughs> now <laughs> it's more than a barn. Come well, on, you have like, a farm. You have your family's farm. Like you, you didn't know your dad had a farm. Now I don't want to get too heavy, but when my dad passed away, I did not find out what I had in a limousine leaving the funeral. <laughs> yeah, we, usually it's like a meeting later. It's a meeting before, or after, like. Yeah, the funeral day is a busy day. <laughs> You're not gonna. Yeah, it's like, can we can we have some time to grieve for a little bit and then talk about this? Grieve, <laughs> like, drink, grieve, drink, whatever. Right. Um, this is for next week. This is for, yeah, this <laughs> not is, right yeah. now. Yes, this is a tomorrow problem. Today I'm a mess. Um, very weird scene. And then he goes oh. to the barn. Well, be, go ahead. Yeah. Speaking of of the funeral, though, it it, it definitely it's weird because. It's obvious he doesn't have a great relationship with his father. Yeah. So I'm guessing he barely has any relationship with his father. Yeah. So like he is not that broken up by it, which is a little bit weird, but like, it's like, I guess I get this, but also it's kind of odd with the whole like empathic nature of their relationship. I don't know. It's, it's they're throwing different signals with the relationship. Yeah. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot going on. And that, that, that relationship, it's like, it's like an, it's like an onion or an ogre. It has layers. <laughs> Well, let me have a layer. It has a layer. Yes, yes. And then he's going to go to the farm, but then he's already at the farm. Right, yeah, which is weird as well. Like, she was at the funeral. Yes. She has to know that it's not hers. She's just <laughs> living there, I guess. She didn't bring it up to the kid at the funeral. Yeah. It's weird. Did did, did Vanity fuck towards Lazenby? Like, okay, well, did, I'm, I'm did, assuming. Donja, did Donja fuck... Um, Stargrove, not the vanities. Both, right. So, so both, both are valid questions. So I, I think they're trying to say no, and this was like a professional relationship. Yes. But they're they're playing him off as James Bond. Yeah. He absolutely banged her, right? Like that's yeah. That's how that character works. If not, I'd be disappointed in him and her because George Lavender was a hot guy. I mean, there's a bit of an age difference at this movie, but then again, and... that comes up again later. So, right. I mean, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Doesn't but really like, matter. Not in this movie. No. I mean, it doesn't really matter at all, really. Yeah. But like, yeah. the, let's only they're both adults, which is, as we're getting into later. Um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. It's a the, weird way to introduce the the characters and their relationship, too, with it, the and barn. She, and, anyway. But before we even know anything else about her, she gets into a fight with the Mad Max army. Um, well, two guys. Two guys. What, now we didn't really mention that, but like all of Rank, um, Ragnar's arm, like goons, they dress like the rejects from the Road Warrior. Yes, 
it like I saw someone review it or talking about it. It's like, oh, a bad portrayal of eighties punks. And I'm like, I don't think that's what they were going for. They weren't going for eighties punks. They I were going another... for like literally Mad Max style. Yeah. Like, and so I would a, a contemporaneously view questioned if this was the future. Right. No, I I I guess. I, I can see where they're coming from there yeah. because it it it's weird. Like it has that whole side of it has like a weird post apocalyptic vibe to it. Yeah. Like the first Mad Max sort of post apocalyptic, not the yeah, like like so apocalyptic. So not post yet. This kind of yeah, it's apocalyptic. Like, like tail end of apocalypse. Like it's happened. People are starting to get used to it, but it's not like nothing. Everything's not gone. Society's collapsing except prep schools. <laughs> right. Exactly. We still have we got to prep them <laughs> Which, for the apocalypse. Barf- we we gonna mention the guy from the barn fight? Okay, yeah, which the the big the the big the big motherfucker? The big guy, yeah. yeah. Like they pulled that guy off a of muscle beach, put him <laughs> in the most absurd hair, and like <laughs> these costumes and these characters are what make this movie so just special. Also, like, his only film. Aw. I know. I mean, it is hard to cast a guy that looks like him in, in things. Like <laughs> I'm the surprised, dude's freakish looking. I'm surprised he couldn't have been a villain in Running Man. Yeah, or like Well, he could have been, you know, like I don't know. Billy from Predator got work. <laughs> sure, but that dude is so muscle, like more muscle bound than you would imagine for a guy that's muscle bound. Like, he's huge. <laughs> that's a fair. That's he a looks fair. like a toy. <laughs> he's not wrong. Um, speaking of toys, after the barn blows up because there's a fire next to a box labeled grenades. A box of grenades. You know, oh, like no, you not the grenades. I, oh, I don't have anywhere to store my grenades. I'll put them in my horse barn next to literal horses. Well, the best, that barn is loaded because remember Vanity jumps up against the wall, pushes a button. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love how it spins around. Yes. It's like the classic spinny wall. The guns are on the other side of the wall. I'm like, oh, she can't get the guns. They're on the other side of the wall. It spins back around. She has a gun anyway. There's more guns on the other side of the wall. There's just it's a Which, cornucopia I, of guns inside the wall. If you haven't already figured it out when you're watching it, this that this the the type of the, the fact that those villains get away in their villain <laughs> doom buggy and yep. everything happening up to this point, this is GI Joe. Yeah, no, it's totally a GI Joe movie. Like, there's no yeah, death yeah. specific other than a few here and there. Like, people don't, yeah. There's a lot of explosions and like things happening, and then you know I'll get you next time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it is a cartoon, and mm-hmm. it is. I feel once you, I feel that Gil Bettman knew that. I don't know if the writer knew that. <laughs> right, I really feel like if they cut out some of the uh, like racier scenes, this could have been like a cloak and dagger. A yeah, well, this you know, feels like to me. There's a terrible film, don't not a fun terrible, called Megaforce. Oh no, yeah, Megaforce is awesome. I disagree, but s- similar vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Megaforce is a its own thing. <laughs> it's a that's a that's a thing. I own a soundtrack. Yeah, of Megaforce. No, 
Yeah, Mega Forces. Yeah, you're not too far off, but it reminds me more of like the '80s, like the late, mid to late '80s kids action films. Oh yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Red Dawn and and but like, with Tits. Cloak and Dagger. Well, Red right, Dawn. Red weird... Dawn was later. Right. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Red Dawn. Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie. I'm my mistake. Right. Yeah. So like, but you know, I mean, like, like I don't know, even like war, not war games. That's too like Rusty. I'm gonna call it cerebral. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like I know that, what I'm talking about. That era, like Goonies, right? Like, yeah. Well, a lot of the reviews I read were like, "Who's this movie for?" Because this is for kids, but kids can't see it. Right. Yeah. Right. Because there's scenes in it that, yeah, you don't want your kids sitting in. Well, Vanity's naked in this movie, like so. Right. You know, <laughs> because Vanity's in this movie. Um, but then after the farm incident, Lance and Vanity, Vanity brings Lance up to speed, and. They have to go investigate Ragnar. Then they go to Ragnar's drag show. Which is so good. One of the uh, stage performers in that is named... Her, their stage name is Viva Sex. Oh, is that... what? Because the, the band is all drag performers also. Okay. I know so, there's also the the drag like waitress. Yeah, the drag has, waitress. Like, the, the best like extra, like or I guess they're not extra. They're where they called like a the drag waitress looked just like Sharon Needles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the fact Pittsburgh that Zone. I, <laughs> I thought it was Pittsburgh Zone Sharon Needles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Woo. Um, Sorry, I'm going to keep saying that anytime something comes up. With no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Be proud of it. Be, be be proud of Sharon Needles. But that love that bar is amazing. It's the yes. same. The outside of the bar is the same as the outside of the bar in Streets of, Streets of Fire. Yep, it's <laughs> the, the same, same exact place. Same exact place, different bar name because it's Torchies in Streets of Fire because that's the name of every bar in every Walter Hill film. <laughs> also, a pretty good taco place in Texas. Man, I want tacos. Anyway, man, they're uh, good. They're there. But why? How is Ragnar a suspected terrorist and a famous drag performer? Right, that, that's what makes this movie like fall into like that fantasy kind of weird eighties. Is this the future? Because like, yeah. is there no law? You know, like, <laughs> why is there a why is there secret agents? It's like it's mashing up Bond. I, I guess it has that Bond feeling, right? It's like why are there these like villains? Why don't they just like send an army to like deal well, with these it, people? It's like Al Capone, right? Everybody knew everybody knew Al Capone was a bad guy or, or Gotti, but they don't Fair. get their hands dirty. Yeah. So maybe well, I mean, except, you know, he, except for the right. fact when he literally murders somebody. Yes. I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. Velvet Ron Ragnar. <laughs> hey, no. Witnesses. Very dirty hands. <laughs> very dirty. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, dirty. Dirty hands. <laughs> God. This. Sorry. Get back to the because this scene's the best. One of the best in the movie. The the song like, mm-hmm. uh, Velvet Ron Ragnar's weird little song and like show the like meeting with uh, Lance Starkov afterwards mm-hmm. the. The kind of like playful attitude that Ragnar, like selling Velvet on Ragnar's attitude towards Lance Stargrove at this point. Like, it's it, this is what makes it almost feel like a kid's movie in a way. Like, a little bit, except for the sexual tension. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it, it's, but it's like, it, it's playful, I guess is the best way to put it. It's really fucked up that there's more sexual tension between Gene Simmons and John Stamos than there is between Susan Sarandon and Jordan Baker in that movie I watched yesterday. Or even, Stamos and Vanity. Yeah, there's <laughs> no sexual tension there. The sexual tension there is, hey, the, we're both hot. We should have sex. Or I'll eat this apple. Well, and, and yes, yes. And while I hose myself. <laughs> or, or, an, or another apple. Or another apple. 
<laughs> in case you missed the metaphor the first time. Um, uh, Ragnar tries to blow up John Stamos with motorcycle. Instead, somebody else gets on it, who's very clearly a dummy. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you please find that, I recommend it. Then a very good car chase. Wait, is that the tur- is this the turkey turkey uh, the car chase happens with the with the tractor trailer? Yeah, well, yeah, with vanity, okay. with, well, there's the great stunt, the, every, the the best car stunt you can do, right? You have the car go under the truck. It's the classic one. Yeah, it's yeah, good. The classic start. As but, seen in Fast and Furious and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, <laughs> like every, yeah, a lot of movies. But there's no CG here, right? Yeah, just just drive a car into a truck. I'm I'm sure it's happened in all of the like uh, Cannonball Run movies, right? Like it's not, sort of... not really, not really. I can't I'm surprised. That's it's like well, it's such well, a classic thing, car Cannonball Run's a terrible fucking movie. Um, <laughs> True, it doesn't happen in in Smokey. There's more other other great stunts. Well, he's driving the truck in that one, right? So... No, he's not. No smoke. No smoke. Okay, so no Smokey well, no, is wait. the cop. Oh, right, right. And oh, I was saying you're saying the cop. Like, you're, okay, and, but and, the. The bandit. They gotta get the cores. The cores is in the yeah, truck. Yeah, so so he's this, he has to distract people from the truck. Listen, I did a whole episode about Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch Smokey and the Bandit again. Right? You know, it's a great movie. fucking movie. <laughs> Sorry, we're going off we're going off track here, but I gotta no, no, watch hey, somebody any, any, run anytime, some cores. Anytime, anytime conversation goes to Smokey and the Bandit, in my opinion, it is not off track. Um... <laughs> because that movie's awesome. Anyway, but this is a good car chase. It kind of feels like Road Rash. Sure, <laughs> it's it's weird because it's like, where are they? Like, why are they on this road? Like, the, there's no one on this road. It's like <laughs> just a two lane road in the middle of a desert. Yes, and then then they lose, and he just wakes up back at home. <laughs> you know, the movie goes all over the place. Yeah, into a into a rather brutal fight sequence. The right. the level of violence in that kitchen. Well, well also that kitchen's amazing. <laughs> that yeah. is the most eighties kitchen. Yeah, that's uh, sink up. Those dishes, poor dishes on Stamos's face. That is the most brutal act of sink violence I've seen in a film outside of um, Rolling Thunder. <laughs> they just kept doing it. Like, they were just <laughs> jamming Stamos's head. Well, sorry, Lance Stargrove's head that into one. the sink and, like, bashing it back and forth in the sink. And you'd be like, oh, that would that would suck if you that, someone did that to you. How about if someone did that to you, I don't know, 50 times over yeah. and over again? <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. Like it's it's a brutal scene, and then they they're, they're calling him Lancy Wancy or whatever, and then and, and kicking him when he's down and whipping him, and like I was afraid they were gonna say you got a pretty mouth. Like I didn't know. But like, but they got like the weird part about the scene is like this the, the tonal like the tonal differences in this movie. Right, they have this brutal scene, but like these guys are like the most comically just goofy, inept guys other than the fact they're really good at effing up Lance Stargrove. Yes. But they push him too far and he realizes he's a Stargrove. And through the power, <laughs> the power of, of Stargrove gets the power awakened. Of Jim, he this, this is the second Jim Cotta film. He uses his <laughs> Yeah. This is, this better, is why this, this is, is a, the the the, the why he's there's a gymnastic scene at the beginning of the movie. Well yes, it's not this, why and this there's is one, it, well but, also because gymnastics was a big deal in the eighties. Um but this is a better film than Jimkata. Um And John Stamos' stunt double beats him up, very obviously. Oh my god. Sorry. The stunt double cracks me up because the stunt double's fine. Yeah, yeah. But why? Why did hair and makeup not get the right color wig? 
Because, so hey, man, you can't match. Like, John Stamos is one of three people who, who can pull off a mullet. Right? Yes, I mean, but at least have the right color. But you can't, <laughs> I mean. It's a brown, a brown ass brown wig on that stunt double. Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> it is pretty, it is, it is pretty bad. Uh, but then he doesn't kill them. He just takes them away and says, I'm st- at Stargrove, Lance Stargrove, because, hey, we're making a James Bond movie. Um, right. And then Vanity's being held in <laughs> an incinerator. <laughs> Oh man, this scene. Go this on. Scene doesn't make please any go. sense. No, uh, it doesn't. Here, can I describe this go, scene? Go, please it's, go. It, so they're holding, they're holding Donja in a warehouse with a giant furnace in it. Then they're like they tie her down inside of this furnace, and they, I don't know, they're trying to get the information of where the Ram K is. Right. That's this whole the whole movie. Yeah. It's like every time yes. they're torturing someone or beating someone up because they want to know where the Ram K is. Where's the yes. Ram K? Yes. And so, like, she doesn't give them the information. I don't think she knows. Mm-hmm. So they just crank her up this what looks to be a kiln, essentially. And it's like she's on a like metal slab in a kiln, and it, like the temperature they show the temperature gauge going up, and yeah. for like most of the scene, it's like oh, it's above a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred yeah. degrees, and she's just like ah, I'm like you're dead. Like well, how are you alive? <laughs> It's like 500 degrees in this thing. How are you? What's like... the boiling point of heroin? Because <laughs> <laughs> holy crap. The best part is like, she, oh, she's just slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. And then they they come in, right? They roll like the Lance and I, um, the the roommate. I can't even remember. Cliff. Yeah, because Cliff comes in and saves Lance. With his, with his custom flame floor. Right. He has one of his gadgets. Yes. A flamethrower like, is oh, not a fucking gadget. He made a flamethrower. <laughs> but it's not a, it's not a flamethrower. It's a flame grenade launch. It's it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it doesn't. It's... Also, when he when it misfires, it's a, it's a sad trombone. Yeah, yeah, and it like plops down on the ground like mm. <laughs> oh, and so they they roll in. So the scene's not that long. They roll in, they they save Donja because it's really easy. Apparently they're not watching that closely and there's not that many inept, you know, they're all inept. Right. So yes, they're yeah. all in, they just get her out of this like now 600 degree furnace. She's yes. fine. They're touching everything. It's not like they could at least try to act like it's hot. Yeah. Like, ooh, but ow, no ow, one ow, even no, attempts. No one nope. even attempts. No, no, it's a complete, it's bad. And, and also then, like uh, these are high the school students out? murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> right. On the way out. Can I, this is no, my, I'm one sorry. of my favorite parts about this movie. On the way out, they leave, like leave with her on their bikes. They, you know, and they're like, the bad guys are chasing them. And they, the camera pans right into one of the crew members who's just standing almost mid frame. I miss that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like not, it's not an extra. It's literally, I think, one of the carpenters, maybe, or a prop master, because it's just a dude in jeans, like just standing there. <laughs> I'll like, have to watch again. I miss that. Have crop that. There's just a dude standing there for like, for a pretty long time. I saw <laughs> a cameraman in an episode of Fraser last week, so you know it happened. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that one cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of that scene. I'm just like, there he is. <laughs> yeah, and so this is when I feel like the film. And also, the sound strains. It kind of stops making sense. <laughs> so it's true. They all meet up in the room with the giant white light behind them. And what's the plan now? I honestly don't know if I could 
tell you. Give it a try. It Okay, so <laughs> I'm just trying to follow what happens. Okay. And it's like, has the, no. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me, let me, let me think about this. It's like they're trying. No, they, I got nothing. I got nothing. So I know what happens in the movie. I based don't know on what, the suggestion of Carruthers, who is Ragnar. Right, who is Ragnar. He says they should go into hiding so to draw Ragnar out. Right. So basically, they go into this cabin. Is that in the helicopter? There's a helicopter around the cabin, like, and that's, so that's after, right? I think at this point, Ragnar has figured out that Lance has Ravamke. He doesn't know where it is, but he knows right. Lance has it, and it's and Lance got it from his dad in a care package. And Lance doesn't even know that. It's, but then right. Cliff puts it in a secret compartment in his motorcycle. Right. Um, also, those pants that Cliff wears, what the uh, fucking, anyway. With the green ones? No, the, the khakis with the weird, like, was it the bottom well, half? Let well, we can say different pants, and they both, it both works. <laughs> those green <laughs> pants, the, those green pants are doing him no favors. <laughs> the, green, the green pants from the, from the factory, from like the factory scene. Yes. Oh my God. From the but, yeah, the previous scene, or but are basically, amazing. they make Stargrove and Donja stay in this cabin, and it becomes very apparent that Donja wants to pass the time by fucking Stargrove, right? Which is where this whole like, how old is Stargrove exactly becomes a thing? <laughs> how old? How experienced? Like. <laughs> I feel like he has some big virgin vibes there. Like he's like freaking he out. He totally does. It's not just it's not just he's freaking out. She's like, I'm gonna be seductive. And he just like wanders around no. in and out of the house looking at her. I'm gonna eat this apple. He finishes the apple. Yeah. Goes and gets another apple. Yes. And not only is it like I'm gonna be seductive, like first he's acting all sultry, then she takes the top off to go sunbathing, and then she literally starts hosing herself down. <laughs> It's like a, I don't know, like a, like a, you know, Sports Illustrated swimsuit video sort yeah, of thing going and, on and in the, the middle of the movie. The editing here is so strange. With that, that, that was that, those super fast cuts and like alternate, you use alternate takes, the same thing twice. Big, big music video vibes. Yeah, um, there's no chemistry between these two characters. No so chemistry. Like no reason for this to happen. Like, yeah. It's just a way to kill time. The song is It Could Be You. The singer of that sang on Cop Rock. <laughs> I looked that up. Um, Sorry. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. I know. We got to do these. If you, another advice to everyone out there. If you're doing a movie podcast or anything about movies, when you look up the soundtrack, people, go to Discogs. Yeah. And look them up there. That's how I found out the singer of Star Grove sang on R.O. Speedwagon albums. Um <laughs> Anyway, but like this, I feel like this was part of Ragnar's plan because he uses that as an excuse to, we haven't seen them in a while. Go get them. And <laughs> he kidnaps them and puts in body doubles. It's very, so like he dresses up like the people that are on their side and runs in, pretends like, oh, we need to get you out of here. And then like, there's no reason for any of that. Like it's so needlessly complex. And then in the helicopter, and then my my favorite scene in the movie is when he when when Kavadas is revealed to be Ragnar, and he he <laughs> like takes off his glasses. He's wearing the eyeliner, 
Yeah, the, no eyeliner, like full, full on eye eyeshadow, eyeshadow, eye makeup, like and then like he the goes cat, cat's I'm eye style. Ragnar! And just <laughs> that is maniacal <laughs> laughter. I, was, uh, I really wish at that point one of them said, "Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> we had an idea. <laughs> we we weren't sure, but we have we couldn't get a warrant, but we had a thought. We couldn't we couldn't figure out why Carruthers was wearing such a bad fake beard, but it makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> we just thought he was insecure. No, the uh, fake beard is so it's so good. And everything, and the climax of this film, like nothing makes sense. The whole concept makes no sense like you said no. from the very beginning yeah. like you're gonna poison the water and then what yes yeah and then what and how 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 does the disc poison the water because they're using a briefcase computer yes yeah, so so this is where <laughs> robert england's character comes in yes. robert england the nerdy like essentially the the uh what the heck's the name of, of God, i can't think of lance's roommate's name i can't i can always cliff forget. cliff cliff thank you Robert England's character is Ragnar's Cliff. Yes, right? yes. It's like the nerd who's getting the stuff done. Like, oh, and figured out a way to, the one that figured out this is what you, you need the Ram K so that we can funnel the poison into the lines. Like, but this is 1987. Sure. How are they wirelessly using this briefcase computer? I mean, you still had radio signal how does like, blowing up the computer stop it from happening i mean if it doesn't have a radio signal anymore but that, but uh why does he have to turn the computer to face him while he's never, like hey i'm trying to give it a benefit that but no like none of it makes sense none of it makes, it, sense. It makes sense in 80s movie logic it's just like there's a thing that's gonna and, happen yeah at this and also like they the old movie trope if they don't like now they have everything they need there's no reason to keep strong over live yeah and but they 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 taught they keep them there long enough so star grove can be homophobic and tease them oh, i know that's that scene mm. yeah that's a that's where that whole uh, like a movie goes, whoa where, where did holy moly it's like yeah he 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 attacks pyramid for being a bottom <laughs> it's 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 like I was like maybe I want Ragnar to win here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he he he's he, Ragnar says he's the best of both, and he says no, you're half of both. Yeah, like it's it's brutally awful. Yeah, <laughs> like everything a, he's saying. It's and like I I I am not gonna how how do I put this? It's fucked up. But I don't care. Right, I right. Like, the I movie's got, absurd, so it's hard to like really care. I got the better movie things is, to be upset about, you know. But like, yeah. But like, whoever wrote that script was like, I'm like, mm, okay, oh boy, <laughs> you got some issues you're working out in the script, aren't you, man? And then uh, Ragnar pretends to be all womanly to yeah to appease. Right. And then he goes, "You really are a woman and a man." And then they fight yeah, more. The, it's there are definitely problematic parts of this movie and yes. here is definitely where some of them show up yeah and oh you know then the the good guys win and you know whatever but yeah. and then the sequel is threatened and never happens the end oh, um, come on it can still happen <laughs> i mean how much does stamos cost to put in well, a movie I, I, have, I have ideas for a remake and we'll get there but here's here's my question is this a good movie i mean 
you're asking the wrong person. You I know guess me. So, but we, but you watch bad movies that you hate. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I love this. This, this is a movie that I will sit down and watch. This is like this is the movie. This is a this is a bad movie that I have foisted onto my group of friends who watch bad movies together. Because I'm like, yes. this is a bad movie that is enjoyable to watch. Like yes. this is a fun bad movie. But but my 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 theory on it is some of the stuff that we say it's bad because it's so campy and stupid was intentional. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. So like the sad trombone. Right. That's an intentional joke. And I I really wish this almost was more aimed towards a kids movie though. But like because it's got that vibe. Or or more adult. Like true. Yeah. Have have Star Groven and Gene Simmons fuck. Heck yeah. Yeah. Let's, oh, go, let's go there. Let's go there. Make that movie, everybody. Uh, yeah, Wait, I, why, why not all three of them? Just boom. Man, don't get, don't, man. I'm going <laughs> to, are you going to give me the vapors? Um, yeah, it, it. I feel like it tries to thread the line between being a family movie and being a violent ass movie, and you can't do both, especially back then. And it's just, I guess it's not a good movie, but I've watched it four times. Right, exactly. Yes. So, because I'm not a big, you know, I'm not big on the term guilty pleasure. You know, like, like I think Cow the Duck's a good movie. That's my go-to. You know, sure. Uh, it's kind of the same vibe. Where it's like, yeah, like this is. Do you enjoy watching it? Yes. Right. Like, like, like that's the thing. Or okay, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. Is that a good movie? I mean. No, but yes, right. Let's well, here's my opinion. No, here's here's how I here's how I f- see the difference here. I think Hard Ticket to Hawaii is a great movie because it is exactly what it wants to be. Sure, yeah. This is not. I guess that's always the problem of saying if uh, what's good and what's bad because it's like what, what that's such a vague question. Yeah, I mean, and you get a movie like Miami Connection, which is unintentionally hilarious, you know. Right. But like Hard Ticket to Hawaii knows it's ridiculous leans into it and has fun with it and right. there's some ineptitude there but Andy Sedaris was a good director also this has the unintentional badness like the bad stuntmen and right I wish they leaned into it a little bit more yeah right? I guess also that like yeah so I feel like now that talking to you about it like there's too much of badness to say that this is just a, a fun silly movie it has some stuff that's unintentionally hilarious so but it's I still boring. love it. <laughs> Don't try to make sense of it or no. you'll get tired trying to figure it out. Yeah, your brain will hurt. Guess what I am. Do you believe what you see? Yeah! Well, is this a dream? Or can I be for real? Well, if you doubt yourself, I can let you feel, yeah! Me and, me and my friends are trying to think of, you remake this, right? Okay, it's 20, uh-huh. 2022. You remake this. Who plays uh, Ragnar? I have my idea. You go first. Oh, Jesus. You're really just dropping this on me, Okay, aren't you? well, you know, I'll, I'll give you my, my ideas first. You can think. Sure. So anybody can play John Stamos's character. You know, you I mean, get you may some, just get Stamos, right? Yeah, or get some young, <laughs> get some young Marvel guy. I don't know. And then the vanity character—that's a little bit harder. I would say you get 
Um, that is tricky. I forgot who the blonde was in the Ghostbusters, the 2016 Ghostbusters. I liked her. Yeah, I forget. I got somebody for Ragnar. Okay, who do you have for Ragnar? It's bad. But Go for it. Jared Leto. Oh, I disagree. Bad. So here's what here's mine. Miley Cyrus. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I was, gonna say, I was about to say Jer- throw Jared Leto away, but I mean that's true all the time. Yeah, that's true all the time. So like Miley Cyrus is all about being genderqueer a lot, like in her image. Sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. No. I got you. She knows how to use her tongue, <laughs> and yeah. and she don't give a fuck. <laughs> and she's a good singer. So uh, her last album's fantastic. I recommend it. Um, so yeah, that's so my. Go, just go Rebecca Black at that point. I don't know. No. 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 <laughs> fuck you. No. Miley Cyrus is a good singer. <laughs> yeah. I know. Okay. Yeah. I know you're not a pop guy. Um. But yeah, I don't know who you get to play Stargrove in 2022. That's a hard, that's the I harder. Mean, it casting. doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Well, Vanity. Like, now here's the question: Is it a remake or is this a sequel? Like, is this you know you make a sequel with 30 years later? You make, yeah. Okay. You make a sequel, and then so Don Stamos oh, dies in the first act. Right. And, so he's the he's the dad this time, and his daughter. Yes, gotta be daughter, right? Yeah. Um. Played by um, oh, man. Olivia <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, I'm gonna say like I don't have a good pulse on like young like the under under 25 actors. My, my and two, my two I, I'm going with music a lot because I think everyone in this would be a musician because of the energy they need. Um, I mean, shit, make it a musical. Make it a musical. Yes, make it a musical. Make okay, it a musical. Make, it a, make it a musical. Okay, I, I got it. I got it. You ready? You ready? I got it. So my, the bad guy's Miley Cyrus, okay? And yep, Miley okay. Cyrus is the daughter of Velvet Rod Ragnar, who was the father, who is her father and mother. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay? perfect, yes. Okay, and then John Stamos is killed, and his daughter is Olivia Rodrigo, who's an actress and a singer. She's putting, she's, she's her, her best songs, she plays this, um, her, her, all of her best songs, she plays a self-centered teenager. She'd be great in this role. And this needs to have like musical numbers like Jesus Christ Superstar. But it needs to be like over the top. <laughs> Vanity is played by Willow Smith. Um that's uh, Will Smith's daughter, who's a very good singer also. So then oh, you have then you get and and then you have Vanity, then you get Olivia Rodrigo and Van and uh Willow Smith as a couple. <laughs> you make up for <laughs> homo- you make up for the homophobia, you make everyone gay. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with this movie. Yeah, I want to. I I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so here, what's okay? So here's the main question. We got the cast. What's the main plot line this time? <sighs> what's the What's the MacGuffin? Right. What's the Ram K? What's this one's What's What's this movie's MacGuffin? And what is it being used for? Miley Cyrus wants to contaminate the water to make everyone non-binary, and then they don't stop her. Because <laughs> they agree. Say, do we need to go like? Do we need to go ripped out of the headlines? Do we need to do something with like cryptocurrency or mm, or mm. NFTs or something? Miley Cyrus <laughs> is going to convert all of the world's economy to Bitcoin. <laughs> no, ra- rag, not rag coin, like, rag coin, <laughs> not coin, not coin, <laughs> not coin. <laughs> Because Miley Cyrus owns a tech company that makes NFTs that look like non-binary drag queens. 
<laughs> Boom. Boom. Done. I, yo, Hollywood. Hollywood, call me. I'm a fucking genius. I, that was terrible. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I just really right want to see. Basically, I just really want to see Miley Cyrus play a bad guy in a movie. <laughs> I, I honestly, that, that you could just. I feel like that needs to happen now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why I'll hasn't call. that happened yet? Okay, we'll go, hashtag hashtag Miley Ragnar. <laughs> Velvet Von Cyrus. No, <laughs> no Miley Von Ragnar. <laughs> And then no, no, or or you make Miley Cyrus the good guy, and then her dad plays her dad. We I see. Yeah, both Gene Simmons and John Stamos need to show up in the movie, right? Yes. So like that's it has to happen. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I think everything right. I got every. I'm a genius. I think we should wrap it up there. <laughs> Matt, you're hidden on the internet. You don't care. Um, I mean, I'm not hidden, but like, there's no reason to want to see me. I'm not. I'm not out there to entertain people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, get, you got podcast. anything you want to plug? Um, let me think. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll plug something for people right around my circle. Okay. So just today, um, good friends of mine at the company I work at just released our newest VR game. Oh. And it's about um, cooking. Okay. What's it's a VR game where people it's called Lost Recipes okay. and you it's about it's about learning how to cook uh historical recipes as the culture cooked them. Interesting. And we got and we got like actual uh like knowledgeable people about these things. Huh. Like, so you actually have to learn how to use like ancient kitchens from different cultures on how to make things. It's pretty cool. That's cool. It's very different for a kind of game like that. Your company also made a very good spy game in VR. Oh, that's true. If people I guess like kind spies, of fits in. If people like spies, <laughs> what should they play? Uh, there's a game we co- made called I Expect You to Die, which yes. is, you know, a play on the, on yes. the classic. Is it Goldfinger? Are there, are Goldfinger there two of them? It. There's two. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that is my favorite. Not just because I know, the, I know you, because you, you didn't work on that game. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't do anything on that. Yeah, that is my favorite games. VR game. Uh, it's a great game. It's a great game. Se- I, I highly recommend it. You played the second one? No, I. So VR gives me neck pain. Okay. So I can't. Second keep, one? Yeah. The, the main theme is sung by Puddle's Pity Party. What's Puddle's <laughs> so Pity Party? You, you should look up Puddle's Pity Party. Oh, uh, it's, an, it's an incredible opening song. Sounds like, a, talk about. Sounds like a sex move. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm not working on any video games, but you can find me online at lostturntable.com, on Twitter at lostturntable, and on YouTube at lostturntable. I'm I'm unique. I, I got that on lockdown. Uh, this has been a very long episode of uh, Cinema Oblivia. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another one. Until then, take care. Oh, you're never too young. You're never too young to die. Oh. You're never too young. You're never too young to die.